0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat we are going to bring back uh, a fun exercise that we had from earlier in the season where we want to spotlight what is a, a tremendous slate and we want to put together a viewers' guide or at least give you some suggestions on what we think are some of the best games so it will be the viewers guide game draft again we are drafting one game in the noon slate one game in the midday one prime time and one wild card uh, you get to hear the games that we are the most excited about we'll also give you know some short little preview and breakdowns so make sure that you stick around for that and and then look I mean every draft has to come with draft grades and all the listeners and the viewers telling us whose draft stinks and whose draft rocks so hey we'll we'll have that opportunity as well be sure to follow on social media. Uh, First Want to hit one of the story, a continuation of a storyline that we discussed on Monday, where Kansas is dealing with an uncertainty regarding the future of Jalen Daniels. And and here's what I mean by uncertainty he is not going to be making the trip to play against Oklahoma. There is some certainty that we will see uh, Jason Bean, who, as we talked about, did a really good job. And and maybe of all these quarterback situations, Lance Leipold has one of the better backup situations with Bean coming in. But the uncertainty is how long is he going to be out with this shoulder injury? Because Zach, Zach Boyer, uh, got on. He is.
2: Oh, no. uh, Do we have a plug owner? He, uh, I was going to say, do do we have an
0: affiliation for Um, Zach Boyer?
2: Actually, Uh, the, the
3: editor of the Kansas paper in Lawrence said that he has done some freelance work for them, but is not currently employed by them and they have not been available. Like he didn't turn it in through them and they were not able to verify that basically like the Kansas paper said, he's he's on his own on this one.
0: It's Zach Boyer. Gets on Twitter and says, Kansas quarterback Jalen Daniels is expected to miss the rest of the season with a grade three separation of his right shoulder per sources. It's a tough blow for Daniels, who is opening a lot of eyes nationally for his and the Jayhawks start. It's Jason Bean's team now. Gets picked up, you know, all the aggregation. Everyone's trying to check this. And look, I I don't want to drag Zach as the purpose for this. I want to talk about how awesome Jalen Daniels and Lance Leipold did once this story broke news. So, Jalen Daniels retweets the story and he says, sheesh, that's news to me, thinking face emoji. And then Lance Leipold, who I I I wouldn't say that I was I was maybe being unfair, assuming that Lance Leipold was not social media savvy, because then he shares a photo of Jalen Daniels coming to stop by in the office. So I want to say, number one congrats to oh, not congrats, but good job on Jalen Daniels and Lance Leipold for at least keeping this around. But number two, should we be concerned that Jalen Daniels is out for the season and that Zach <laughs> might be right with this report? What do we make of the status of Daniels? Again, not going to be playing against Oklahoma this weekend, but perhaps able to make a, a faster return from the shoulder injury. Like we have seen with some high, pro, high profile quarterback shoulder injuries already.
3: Do we actually know that Zach Boyer is wrong? I mean, like, because like, I, I used to run a team site, right? And we several times correctly reported a player was out for the year and the player tried to dunk on us and we were right. He was out for the year, right? All these players believe they can come back much sooner than the timetable that they've been given internally. It almost always happens like this, right? You, you get the Instagram m- minor setback for a major comeback, all that stuff. Like, I'm not saying Jaden Daniels is out. I don't have any information. On this, but like he'll be back if and when he's back, not just when he's back. I I don't know, man, like a, if it's a grade three, that's not yeah.
1: a joke. If it if it really is a grade three, then he probably will be done for the rest of the regular season. And uh, I mean, I yeah, I'm with you, but I have no idea. And maybe Zach Boyer knows somebody in the team medical staff that's, you know, diagnosed it. And maybe, I don't know, you don't, you never really know, like you said, what they're telling the player or what the player's hearing and saying, Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. It doesn't hurt that bad. I'll be back. It's not that big of a deal. So I don't know. I hope he's not out for the rest of the season because I do agree Like Jason Bean. There's not a huge drop off to Bean, but Jalen Daniels was doing really well in this offense and they were playing, you know, kansas is freaking five and one and it nearly beat tcu it's nearly six zero and bowl eligible already and it's just been one of the better stories of the season so far so to have daniels go down if he is hurt that would suck but there's also a part of me that's hoping that lance leipold is doing like some like godfather stuff and he's just trying to find out who the leak
2: is <laughs> mm, it's possible um i don't know who to believe I don't love that our guy Zach Boyer just gone zero dark 30 and hasn't responded to anything. No post, didn't delete it, just nothing. So he's going to stand by it, I guess. I'll say this. I thought it was very interesting that there were two pictures that Lance Leipold posted when he said, look who popped in my office. One, thumbs up. The other, like arms over the head, oh, yeah. like up in the air, Mm. Where normally you have a shoulder issue, like you're not smiling. You're like, you're kind of like one's like this, like sideways. And one's not all the way there. I mean, he looks relatively comfortable there. Now, Was who knows? Fake? <laughs> right? Maybe it's oh, are you saying it's a different player. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be outstanding if it is a deep fake. Uh, it'd be so good. But he does look like he's fine. But I've also seen guys walk off the field and have ACL tears and have to get surgery and it ends their year. So I don't know. I guess this is a story we'll have to keep an eye on. I find myself like Tom and I think like everybody else hoping that Zach Boyer is wrong and hoping that, you know, nothing personally against him. I just want uh, um, Jalen Daniels to be able to play. You know, that's my whole thing. I hate seeing players get injured for time, You know, for, for the rest of the season. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, was that an old picture?
2: are they <laughs> right right he this posting trip <laughs> and, <laughs> like went over
1: his high school we logo we need a picture of him holding today's newspaper just to confirm <laughs> that it's actually him and it is now <laughs> all right so and listen we you the paper up here so that, <laughs> we
0: we have these laughs because we want Jalen Daniels to be back on the field he will not be back on the field we are expecting against oklahoma this weekend we're gonna get we got wednesday night football we've got a couple thursday night games gonna discuss those in just a little bit locks episode obviously on thursday 11 a.m eastern time oklahoma favored by more than a touchdown Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is this an overreaction like okay so here's the what i'm getting at at oklahoma at baylor then they're at the off week then Oklahoma State at home, Texas Tech on the road, Texas at home, Kansas State on the road. As it stands right now, there are three ranked opponents who are currently in the AP Top 25, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State. If they are underdogs at Oklahoma, I have to assume that they are likely going to be underdogs at Baylor, especially if Daniels is not going to be in the lineup. Are the Jayhawks with a return or not with a return from Daniels Are the Jayhawks out of the Big 12 title race, or is this still a team that can make it into the top two and make an appearance in Dallas?
1: They're out. Come on, Tom. No, they're not out. I mean, it's the Big 12. We've talked about it. I wrote about it on Monday. Like, there's no elite team in this conference. It's just not like TCU's got the best start right now. TCU's got the most juice. Oklahoma State's off to a great start, but there is nobody in this conference that isn't capable of losing to any team it plays any week for the rest of the season. So until you have three losses in conference, I don't think you're out of the running for the Big 12 championship game. So Oklahoma's out. Nobody else yeah. is.
0: Iowa State and Oklahoma are out. Yeah. I like that. Three losses and you're three strikes and you're out. That's the way we're looking at the Big 12 title race. Who's going to end up catching them we were knocking you out. I don't think we see six and three making it into the Big Twelve title game. I think seven and two is probably the bare minimum.
3: One of the problems, though, is that they they lost to a team that is likely to be in contention to go. Mm-hmm. Whereas Texas lost to Texas Tech, which is not in contention to go to the Big Twelve title game. So they are behind the eight ball from a tiebreaker standpoint.
1: Good but point. They, they still get to play Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State. So they could That's still true. beat all of them.
2: They should be rooting for Oklahoma State, or uh, this weekend, right? They played TCU. Who plays TCU this weekend? They yeah, kind of want State. TCU to go undefeated because they yes. don't have the TCU tiebreaker
3: oh. factor. Yes, okay.
2: that's what I was thinking. Uh, according to uh, Caesars, they are plus fourteen hundred, which is pretty distant. Texas two plus two forty, TCU plus two eighty, Oklahoma State plus three hundred, Kansas State plus three hundred, Baylor plus seven fifty, and then a pretty dramatic drop off for Kansas plus fourteen hundred. Yeah,
0: Kansas State already with three wins, three and zero in conference play. They just they got a lot of hay in the barn already. That's that's definitely boosting them. I think the so, strength of schedule breakdown says it's going to get tougher for TCU and Oklahoma State. Like the toughest games are in their future, I believe.
1: TCU's played some tough games, but yeah, if you look at their schedule, yeah. they get Oklahoma State this weekend. They get Kansas State, and then West Virginia and a Texas Tech team that is proving to be just kind of be a pain in the butt. Then you get Texas and Baylor on the road in November. That back to back is probably going to be tough. Like, you, you, it's hard to think they're going to win both of those games.
2: By the way, we talked about uh, coaches hired early. I remember we brought up Clay Helton, George Southern. I talked to Joey McGuire this morning on the radio show. Forgot he was hired November 7th, mm-hmm. left Baylor's staff, took over Texas Tech. And it was one of the questions I asked specifically about. And he was like, oh, it was a huge advantage. And he's like, I started to evaluate our roster and I started to recruit. He's like, those were the two things. So we're starting to see more of this, you know, and I I think it'll be very fascinating to see because I thought it was controversial that he left a team in the middle of the season, you know, that was pretty good. I mean, they were in the Big 12 championship hunt and he left. And I think you'll see other coaches do this. Which, you know, the payday is too big. The opportunity is there. And if it's your the difference and why they would hire you, because there may be some other candidates that want to wait till the end of their season. I think you might see this trend continue to increase. I mean, for every coach that that stays around,
3: there's a lot of examples that, of guys who stayed around. It didn't work out. Like if I'm a head coach and I know you're taking another job, I want you gone. Mm. I, I, I don't for I don't want sure. you sticking around. I feel like you, you, have, you have mixed mixed allegiances there, especially if you're going somewhere in my own conference. Mm-hmm. Hell no.
0: Well, didn't Sabin was it was it performance related when Sabin sent Kiffin off in between the uh, semifinal and the championship game? So, uh, Kiffin had taken the FAU job. He coached the semifinal game, and then Sabin was like, "No, nah, you just you, you, go, go ahead, go ahead, and take off."
1: Who they play in that semifinal?
0: Um, let's see. That would have been before Sark in 2018. Is the 20.
1: I'm just trying to think if Saban's like mindset was, uh, you can be half-distracted for this one, but for the title game, I
0: can't have you. That, was the,
1: that was the year Clemson spoke to them, right?
0: In the title game. Yeah. yeah. I could be wrong about that. Maybe it was Tampa, which would have been the end of the 2016. Yeah, it would have been the end of the 2016 season Okay. Uh, when Sark came in and took over. Because Sark also had the Falcons gig before coming back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Wednesday night football – Louisiana and Marshall, uh, as Marshall, remember, in the Sun Belt uh, begins to try and work its way into a position where they can compete in that absolutely loaded Sun Belt East. Louisiana had a, taken a couple knocks early so far. Marshall 0 1 in conference play, Louisiana 0 2 in conference play. We don't. We're not going to have an opportunity to drop a lock on this, but last I saw Louisiana was like 10, 10 and a half somewhere around there on the spread. Uh, Any thoughts, if you want to give out any recommendations to our loyal listeners on, on how to play this fun belt Wednesday.
1: Uh, My Twitter tip of the day is the team total under on Louisiana. I got it at 18 on one site, but it's 17 and a half in most places, but 18, seven and a half, not really a big difference there. Uh, You know, the the key thing for me here is that Ben Woolridge will be at quarterback for Louisiana, and he is not their starter. He is their backup. He came in last week against South Alabama, was 18 of 29 for 90 yards, averaging 3.1 yards per attempt. Did throw a touchdown, also threw an interception. He does bring something on the ground. He rushed for 36 yards, but this Marshall defense is pretty decent, and I don't think that the Cajuns are going to have a huge night. I think they could cover because I don't really trust Marshall too much to score a ton of points here either, so maybe the, the entire game under might be your play, but I'm much more confident in Louisiana not scoring more than 17 points than I am anything. You know, Marshall is not – like, the spread in Marshall
3: games has not mattered once this year. Either way? Correct. What do you mean by that? I mean, so, right, they were were big underdogs at Notre Dame. They won outright. They were huge favorites at Bowling Green. They lost outright. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they were also favorites at Troy. And they lost outright by double digits. So, um, they've just been a team that it seems like they're all over the place. Uh, I, I don't know. I I thought about playing some ULL here. Like I, I really might throw like like fifty bucks on the uh, the ULL money line, just in case Marshall lays an egg again. But I, I don't trust that Marshall team at all.
1: Like l- look at their performances. That like, oof. I don't think the offense is good, but they've only allowed eighty-one points in five games. That is true.
0: Thursday Revenge night
1: match. New Orleans, New Orleans Bowl rematch, the one that we've been waiting all year for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Marshall won, right?
1: No, yeah. Louisiana won. Yeah, no. They? Uh Louisiana won. Uh, but Levi the- Lewis. Whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head ran for like three or four touchdowns that day. He had a good um, game.
0: Thursday night, Baylor at West Virginia. Again, this is a game that could be eligible, but uh since it's Wednesday, I figure we'll we'll get a look at it. Baylor favored by about three and a half uh in this spot. No CJ Donaldson for West Virginia feels awfully significant. I would be taking the Mountaineers otherwise, but I think it's going to be a stay away from me. Anybody got any leans or thoughts there?
1: I'm weaning Baylor, but I'm not, I haven't really dove into it yet. Same
0: under under 55. Let's go.
1: This is kind of a big game for Baylor. Like, This is one of those tricky spots where we were just talking about the Big 12 race. Like, this is what are they? They've already lost once in the Big 12, haven't they? So, yeah, this is like you kind of have to win this. And then this is also for West Virginia. They're kind of in a backs against the wall kind of spot because if they lose this game at home, ball game is going to be really hard to get to. Baylor on the road. I know they're coming off a bye, but still midweek game. This is this is a tricky game. Neil
0: Brown, hot seat, circle the wagons. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of game. Gut check Thursday. Gut check Thursday. All right, we'll we'll see. And again, that is a, a game Thursday night that will be eligible for uh the locks, which is 11 a.m. on Thursday. Coming up on the other side, it is our way to tell you the best games to watch on a weekend. The viewers' guide game draft, and it is looking at week seven next. Listen, things can just get rolling out of control. I cannot believe it is week seven. I cannot believe it is October 12th. Before you know it, the holiday season is going to be here. And if you're a small business owner, you know how important it is to be ready for the insane holiday season. And if you haven't started preparing for the chaos of holiday mailing and shipping, you're already following falling behind. So luckily, Stamps.com has everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. It's the 24-7 post post office that you can access from anywhere. Lines? Nope. Traffic? Nope. Hassle? Definitely not. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. You can get access to US the United States Postal Services and UPS services, the ones that you need to run your business right from your computer. And with inflation on the rise, we all know every dollar counts. Protect your margins with major discounts on USPS and UPS rates, which can be up to 86% off. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with stamps.com today. And if you sign up with the promo code COVER3, that's three, the number, COVER3, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale, no long-term commitments, no contracts. Again, just go to stamps.com, Click the microphone at the top of the page and enter the code cover three for a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale, no long term commitments and no contracts so this is um, as we mentioned before a really awesome game because this has three team three games with teams between undefeated with a matchup of undefeated teams. There are six games between teams that are ranked in the AP top 25, 13 top 25 games in total. Basically, you're operating with a margin. You know, there's 46 games between FBS opponents. Like one out of every five is going to be something that's going to hold key significance to not just uh, the rankings, but in some cases, even the college football playoff race. The matchup of undefeateds, obviously. Alabama at Tennessee, undefeated, undefeated. Penn State at Michigan, undefeated, undefeated. You've got everything that you could ask for from this weekend. Even the teams that are not yet undefeated, uh, that are still undefeated. Oklahoma State, TCU. How about Syracuse, undefeated got nc state in town how about usc undefeated you're a betting underdog at utah this is going to be a time where things shake up in a big way so we want to let you know the very best games that we have on deck we're going to do it with the game draft tom you've got the first overall pick in the game draft what are you going to do what did i do to earn that uh everything's been bumping down a line basically (laughs) So, in when we did it for week one, I had the first pick. When we did it for week two, uh, Bud had the first pick. Uh, now, Tom is at one, Danny's at two.
1: So, all I had to do to win was sit around. Awesome. Uh, okay. It's well, just
0: thanks. like tanking.
1: Yeah. I'm going to get Victor Wenbanyama or however you pronounce that game. Uh gee, this is really hard. I just I don't know because you mentioned there those three games between undefeated teams and golly gee. It's not like one of them really, really stands out above the other. Oh wait, yeah, there does. Tennessee, Alabama.
0: All right, no, no games here. We're not trying to like tackle any market inefficiencies. We just, we, we just need to play the hits. Yes. Um, what we've got a lot to get to. We're obviously going to be breaking this game down on the Locks Pod. But it, as you look at this from the perspective of you know trying to plan your day and trying to get excited about um, the college football Saturday in Week Seven. Like, what What angle of this is exciting you the most right now?
1: Uh, like, Tennessee could legitimately win this game, which is not something I thought I was going to say in the preseason. It's not something you've really been able to say all that often. Although there were, in 2020, I was getting a lot of attention. I was doing a lot of radio in Knoxville because my bold prediction, you know, we do our preseason like picks the expert picks. My bold prediction was that Tennessee was going to beat Alabama that year because the game was like Alabama had no buys. And it was like their seventh straight game with before a buy. And I can't remember who the week afterwards was, but I was like, that's going to be a prime look ahead kind of think we're just going to whatever spot and Tennessee's going to pull off the upset. And then of course COVID came and it never happened, but, I do think this year, you know, we don't know Bryce Young's status. I expect he'll play. If he doesn't play, we saw, like last week, Jalen Monroe just, they weren't able to pull away from Texas A&M. And Tennessee's defense, I think, is not nearly as good as Texas A&M's. It's probably more on par with Arkansas's, which we did see Alabama do okay with without Bryce. But defensively, I don't have the same kind of faith that I have in most Alabama defenses in recent vintage for them to stop Tennessee from scoring. I think it's kind of when I watch Alabama right now, I feel like it's Will Anderson or bust on defense. Like if he doesn't get to the quarterback and force a throw or get a sack, you can get to them. And I think that will be the case in this game. So that gives me some concerns. So this is a very fun game between two teams who I think are very good. One of whom is obviously Alabama. And one of whom is, I think a team that I said, they're they're not in that elite team tier, but
2: if they go and win this game. I think Tennessee joins the elite team tier. They have to. If they win this game. I don't know if there is an elite team tier. Maybe Ohio State's in it, but Georgia's played either they played down to competition or they're just not elite. And I would lean more towards. We've seen enough. It wasn't one game. It's been a couple games. And you mentioned without uh, Bryce Young. What about Texas when they did have Bryce Young and they needed Bryce Young to to bail them out on the road? Like, is that what type of situation you're going to see here? I love this game. I, this is clearly the number one pick. I think if anyone who had it would take it. I think it's fascinating because if, te- if Tennessee had done what they're doing, which has been impressive, got past the Florida hump, then you know blows out uh, LSU, even with a new coach and a new staff, that's still an impressive win on the road. Even if Bama looked awesome, I'd probably say like this is probably the most you know the the, the best opportunity for Tennessee to get over this hump to knock out to slay this giant. But then you add in the fact that Bama has looked gettable, mm-hmm. you know, at Texas, especially on the road. Even Arkansas, now Arkansas was interesting because it didn't feel like Alabama was ever really in jeopardy of losing that game, but Arkansas definitely clawed their way back in and was making it really interesting. But that was you lose your quarterback in the middle of the game. I gave you a little bit of a pass for that, but the Texas and M ones almost inexplicable even with like what what happened to everybody. Like how, how are you getting in that position couldn't get the stop on defense? You know, it almost ended up losing the game. I I don't know, though. I'm scared still, though, to take Tennessee. Yes. You know, like, it's still Bama, and they've still owned this rivalry, and Tennessee feels like, is there an egg that's coming? Like, I almost feel like I have to see it to believe it. Again, like, you know, I would fade Tennessee until then. Yeah, like, this is one of those
1: – it's like, I think this is Tennessee's best chance to beat Alabama in a long time. I also think Tennessee could lose this game by 20-plus.
2: Right. You're muted.
3: Sorry, guys. Um, if it happens, it's because they can't block Bama's rush-ins and Bama's able to you know, kind of play SAG coverage. It, if you think about it, like, the only team that is that Tennessee has played that has like really, really comparable pass rushers to Bama is kind of LSU, but they handled Pitt okay, right? Like, Pitt, Pitt was – like, Florida's pass rushers are not very good, right? Um, I, I don't know, like – I've been on this Tennessee team a lot this year and they've cashed for me a lot, but half of their scoring drives against LSU, 4 out of the 8 were under 50 yards. I mean that game, I do think Tennessee was still the right side, but like the score doesn't indicate the total level of dominance when you take out some of the, like the crazy turnover type stuff, which hey, they earned them, but it's also not repeatable.
0: 28 to nothing was the lead at Arkansas and fast start is my key for Alabama. We know that Tennessee in the first quarter, everything like well-scripted. You go out there and you get some some quick stops. You don't allow Tennessee to get out there in their first 10 to 15 plays and march down the field, respond to that with some a, a score or two, then that's how you start to flip this on its head. I mean, that's the, the home field disadvantage theory. As keyed up, as everyone is going to be in that stadium to all of a sudden be facing like a 14-0 deficit in the first quarter, that, that's where things could start to work the other way on you. And that's where Alabama would be able to limit possessions, try to run the ball, try to keep the ball out of Hendon Hooker's hands. I, I know that both teams are so explosive. Both are like top five, seven, eight offenses in the entire country. I know that the game is never over but I feel like I'll be able to take the temperature of this game after the first 15 to 20 minutes and have a feel for what we're going to be looking at coming down the stretch. I mean, 15 in a row, and 13 of those have been by double digits. There is a lot of baked-in supremacy that is built into this rivalry over almost a generation. So I, hot start, don't be over, overcome by the moment. All, all those first 15 to 20 minutes feel really significant to me.
2: All right, Danny, you are up next. All right. I think it's pretty easy. I'll go and take care of my noon window and get what I think is the second best uh, game of the weekend. I'll take Penn State in Ann Arbor playing uh, the Wolverines. Um, spread says it's going to be tight. I think it will. Michigan has been same line as the Alabama-Tennessee. Interesting. Um Michigan has been okay, like since they got into their better competition, they have been spectacular. I do think JJ McCarthy has not been as explosive a thrower as I thought he would be, but I think he's getting better in that in that aspect. And I think they're going to need him because I think Penn State will have more success against Blake Corum, shutting down Blake Corum, than I have, uh, you know, than anybody else on their schedule so far. So I think it'll be more. This game will be on JJ McCarthy's shoulders, and then. You know, we've got the six year senior and Sean Clifford, who's just keeps plod, just plodding right along, just, you know, making enough plays to win games. And, you know, they'll it'll, it'll be a physical game. And there's no doubt about that. I would probably lean under on this one from a scoring perspective. But I, um, I think this is an easy number two game of the weekend. I added as my number one.
3: Just if, if I'm trying to build the best possible card. Look at this noon slate. Like, there's other good games potentially in, in that you know 330 window. Um, you know, noon slate wise, a huge drop off like by the armor pick is the one I was taking. So just yeah. in terms of the, the drop off.
0: <laughs> there's a but, game like if you look at biggest game in years yeah. in champagne That's and Bud's out a, here, a, and trash it all the rest yeah, like, of them. Like,
3: I mean, I if if you draft the art game. I mean, I guess at some point you might have to because we're, we're doing four <laughs> rounds. The dart sit counts. I I do think Penn State, though, uh, has been a lot better on the offensive line than people thought they would be, including myself this year. Like both their tackles look pretty good. And they might need it because Iob for, for Michigan, that the, the kid they got from Alabama, who you know was a five star at one point, is now playing like like, like a five star. I mean, like Michigan has some legitimate pass rush since they lost a whole lot <laughs> to the draft last year. Um can, can Penn State make McCarthy hold the football, right? Because Maryland did, and he didn't look very good. Iowa, I feel like Michigan played a pretty low risk game because you realize mm-hmm. you're not going to lose to Iowa this year unless you just do a lot what's, of dumb stuff because they're offense.
1: 10 points, it's a wrap. Does,
3: right. Exactly. You know, in the Indiana game, they, they did move the ball. They, they looked really undisciplined, but they, they moved the ball. They, they were far superior there. Um, we've seen Penn State go on the road, handle a hostile environment, and just like, it's not a good Auburn team. It's a better Auburn team than it, than it is now due to Auburn injuries, but um, I'm really excited to watch this one. The, and the fan base is, if you lose this, you're really pissed. And if you win this, your expectations are just going through the roof. You're like, hey, the winner of this, of this game is going to think they can beat Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I I would, this was number two on my board. This is a very interesting game to me, not only because you know they're both undefeated, they're both in the same division, and it's also a kind of a, they haven't played anybody bowl, and mm-hmm. so I feel We're finally going to get an idea of how good either of these teams genuinely are, because like, Bud, you mentioned Penn State's tackles and its offensive line have looked decent this year, and they have. But they've played Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, Central Michigan, and Northwestern. So let's see how they held up against Michigan. And Michigan had the one tough test against Maryland, which is a better team than I thought. But other than that, it's been Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Iowa, and Indiana. This is far and away the biggest challenge either one of these teams have faced. I think this is going to be the kind of game where we're going to learn a whole hell of a lot about both teams. Like maybe one of these teams is way better than the other. Maybe neither of them are that good, or maybe they're both great. And we find out.
0: Yeah. Penn state's just been hanging out. It's like they got their, mm-hmm. their card into being like, yeah, we're a contender. And then they just got to go wait for their number to be called. But do you remember Mike Morris as a recruit? Because yeah. i feel like he has been as I went back to go over all my Michigan stuff to get ready for this game because as we mentioned, I haven't really been playing anybody. So I needed to, you know, brush up on figuring out who I liked. He's had a pretty strong performance. And it's, and it's not often that we catch a senior coming out of American heritage that you are not calling their name a lot. What do you think is like played into him being a little bit of a later bloomer, at least by my analysis?
3: Yeah, so his dad, uh, I think, was an NFL guy. Like I, I know he played for Florida State in in, in high school. I thought he was kind of heavy footed, man, and wasn't we really sure where he was going to play. Like, was he going to be sort of like a jumbo tight end, or maybe an offensive tackle eventually? Could he actually stay at defensive end? And I, I think you got to credit Mike Morris and, and probably credit the Michigan strength staff as well for getting the most out of him. He just he stuck with it. He's gotten better better each year, and and now Michigan has a real player there. I'm, that and then the uh, um. The freshman nose guard they have at Michigan is is pretty nasty too. Like they it's not often you see a true freshman play a nose, but it, I'm I'm pretty impressed by that kid.
0: So that uh, puts it to me. We mentioned noon slate, depending on your feelings about you know coastal ODU, depending on your feelings about Illinois, Minnesota. The pickings do get a little bit slim, which is why I'm just gonna go ahead here in the first round and I'm gonna sign up to get my day started with the Quinn Ewers show, Texas and Iowa state. We have all adjusted our numbers. We are all in on Texas trying to make a run all the way to the college football playoff running the table. So give me Texas and Iowa state because even the flip side of this, which is that Iowa state makes it competitive. is hilarious. Texas is all the way out to a 16 and a half point favorite. Either I'm proven right with my Quinn Ewers excitement, or we get to see uh, some <laughs> tight butts early in the day, uh, right there in uh, DKR.
1: Hey, bud, were you going to take that game? I was not. Okay. Just uh,
3: well, I, I was, but probably not with my very next pick. I, <laughs> I but it was it was my number two noon or noon slate pick for sure. Like I reach. I, I, think
2: it, I, think I mean, the reach? chance to watch
3: Quinn Ewers is is. So here's what I want to see in this game, right? Like Iowa State, for the most part, they gave up one explosive wide open to Baylor. But other other than that, they've been really a pretty disciplined defense. And look, while we clown on Oklahoma fans on this show quite a bit because they were just completely nonsense in the offseason. They believed all these, you know, Homer radio announcers that told them like just how how good they were going to be, and they're so much more disciplined under Venables. I do think Venables is trying to run a lot of scheme there right now. And their guys are just not getting it. Like They are trying to run more complex stuff than they ran under the old regime. And they just allowed wide open shot after wide open shot. And Iowa State's defense is not bad. So they will make Texas. Now, I don't think they're going to be able to score much on Texas. But they will at least make Texas earn it in a way that Oklahoma did not. So I'm excited to see Quinn Ewers throwing into some tighter windows, maybe having to get off his first read into his second and third read. I, I think the kid is super talented. But I'm excited to watch this one because I want to see a different challenge for Quinn Ewers, a challenge of patience, a challenge of more of a mental challenge. Uh, some of the throws he made in that game were, were insane, but a lot of them were like, well, wow, that's insane. Like the guy was wide open, but he still had to throw it, you know, falling backwards, you know, cross-bodied. This is different. I, I'm excited to actually watch this.
2: Totally agree. I, I think this is a big letdown spot. Like how mature are you able to handle the success of a blowout win? Everybody's been telling you how great you are. Iowa State should have more success against Bijan and the run game. So I'm with you putting it on uh, Quinn. I cannot wait for this one. Tom, you're all over the Longhorns. You say, hey, no worries. He is going to tear them apart.
0: Which would also be awesome.
2: Yeah, that'd be great, too. All
0: right, bud. You've got uh, the last of the first and the first of the second.
3: All right. So I'm going to stay in the Lone Star State, and I'm going to go to my TCU Horn Frogs. Um, I think this is really intriguing. Right. It's, it's a great new matchup. If you have two TVs, or excuse me, it's a great 330 matchup. If you have two TVs going 330, you, you obviously need to have Bama Tennessee. And I think this is the game that you really need to put on on your other screen. Uh, whatever game we draft here for next is going to be on, on the phone. TCU has been super explosive on offense. But if you talk to some teams that have played TCU, they're not really sure TCU is overwhelming along the lines of scrimmage. Like at least that's the, the vibe I got back. Now, it's e- it's easy to say that, but all these teams that have played TCU have lost and most of them in blowout fashion. So I do think TCU could be pushed around a little bit up front by Oklahoma State's defensive line, which is good. But man, Oklahoma State's back end is uh, is problematic, and I think TCU could have a lot of fun scoring there. On the other side, I don't think TCU has a great pass rush, and I don't think they can push around Oklahoma State's offensive line very well, but I do trust Joe Gillespie to do a nice job of, of trying to confuse Spencer Sanders into maybe throw in some picks. So can Spencer be patient? Can TCU scheme around maybe some offensive line deficiencies? I'm, I'm excited to watch this one. I cannot believe Chip took Texas and Iowa State over that game. Um, Was that believe- a game you, you, you thought you should have picked?
0: Well, I mean, it's going to be a TCU blowout. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, hey, uh, Chip <laughs> underscore Patterson on Twitter is, is, uh, is his name.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, you, oh, you mean the Oklahoma State team that's been outgained in three of its four wins against FBS teams? <laughs> yeah. I mean you no, know, they get stops when they need to. it's it's good they they they're great at coming up with timely stops.
1: <laughs> no, I going back to not being a troll here i I think this game is a lot like Penn State, Michigan. like I think they've both played more difficult schedules, but I think this is just a huge like a banger in the big twelve. This is kind of like a you win this game, you're very much in the driver's seat for a big twelve championship appearance at this point. So it's a huge game. I'm really looking forward to it.
2: I think TCU has played tougher games. Yeah. You know. They, I mean, not that. I mean I guess not that significantly. It's but. like
0: you're comparing Oklahoma and Baylor. You know, you're trying to like parse that.
1: Baylor, I think, is better than Oklahoma right now, but I also think Kansas is probably better than anybody else that Oklahoma State's played. All
0: right, bud. What's your uh, what's your second round? Uh first first pick of the second round.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to go
3: This is one that has an undefeated team going in to a hostile environment in the late night slot, or at least the the evening slot. I'm going to take USC at Utah. So Utah is actually a favorite in this game. USC comes in undefeated. They're playing really well for the most part. Their defense looked a little bit better in recent weeks. The offense maybe hasn't been quite as good as we thought. The last time USC had to go on the road, by the way, it was not pretty. They are. Probably could have lost that game at Oregon State had Oregon State's quarterback, was it Nolan or the other kid? I don't know. I think it was Nolan at that point. He threw four picks. I don't think Cam Rising is going to throw four picks, but I'm also very skeptical about this Utah defense. I mean, DTR ripped him. They made Anthony Richardson look like a somewhat competent passer, which is sort of a demerit in 2022. They really have, like they've played Oregon State, which can't throw the ball. I'm curious if they can play a little bit better defense here because I do think they can score some on USC, but they also haven't been real explosive on offense recently. It's kind of a plotting Utah offense and a defense that's not as good. I'm curious why they're favored by that much. Maybe I'm walking into a trap here. But if USC wins this, they're very live for the playoff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, is, this is a very interesting game because you know Utah, like we discussed, much better at home. So this is going to be a very interesting environment for this USC offense. Probably the toughest place they've played so far. And also, like, if you go through his game log, like, Caleb Williams has been pretty mediocre two of the last three games. Mm -hmm. And this is a tough place on the road to play against a defense that presents lots of problems, who did not really present many to DTR last week. But I don't know. This This is going to be a tricky spot. This is going to be... A very fun game. I really don't know what to expect. Like, I can tell you right now, I'm probably not going to be locking any of these things up tomorrow, but I'm really interested in just kind of settling in and watching this one Saturday night.
2: Don't you think before the season, if you would have gone through USC's schedule, you could have said, sure, best case scenario, the 6 and 0. Like, we all, that would have been shocking, but now's when the fun starts. Like, now's when you find out who's for real and who's not. Now, there's some, there's an advantage in starting 6 0, belief, confidence you know, guys buying in, that type of thing. Like, there's no panic. There's no, oh, do we make, like, the, the issues that Oklahoma's going through right now. So you got to feel good about that. But I, I think this is their first big challenge. I don't think it's even close. And I do think Utah's loss to UCLA was more about UCLA being a really good team than it was about Utah falling short of expectations. So, uh, and, and you're right, playing a Rice-Eccles at altitude, place is going to be wild, a little bit more of a desperate situation for Utah. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. Let's go to the night slate, to a game
0: that decided the ACC Atlantic for so many years. In our final year of division play, we've got Clemson going to Florida State. And perhaps one of the more eye-raising point spreads on the board. The Tigers, favored by three and a half in Tallahassee, the belief clearly that Mike Norvell is going to have this team locked and loaded and ready to go, that what we've seen from the Seminoles defensively is going to prevent Clemson's offense from ever really being in a rhythm. Our total is around 51, which, by the way, 51 is the most Dabo total ever. I feel like I've been, t- I've been out here saying big game dabbo under 51 for four years because we know <laughs> all that guy wants to do is win by just one single point and have that influence much of what he's going to do. We're you know big. We'll, we'll be coming off of the high of what is an absolutely loaded three thirty slate with Alabama, Tennessee, and Oklahoma State, TCU. So now it's going to be all about prove it mode. We've been knocking off these undefeateds, but can Clemson remain undefeated as a narrow favorite in Tallahassee? I think the environment is going to be absolutely stellar. Weather is looking like it's going to be okay. Uh, give me this iconic ACC Atlantic rivalry uh, for my. Primetime slate, Clemson and Florida State.
2: Mm. Big test. Big Big test for Mike Norvell. I think the thing that's been interesting, and I think we have kind of noticed this, when the competition got tougher, you would see more of Jordan Travis with his legs. We saw it against NC State when they really didn't have much offense late and they were having some problems protecting him. You saw him. I think he's going to have to have another game with his legs either buying time or actually hurting you and getting yardage against this Clemson defensive front. Um, And they're going to have to have the receivers step up and make some big plays for them when there's opportunities to be made. Bud pointed out last time, Johnny Wilson, a couple times, third down, like balls in his, you know, had a couple critical drops that seem small, but when you're scoreless in the second half, those are very big uh, plays there. I also think DJ, when you watch Clemson's offense, like they're, Getting it done, but I thought the Wake game would really propel him to a little in that offense to a little bit more. And I, I've I've been wanting more out of Clemson's offense since that game. You know, like it's been they've they've handled their business and they've won, but I don't think they've by any means like put their foot down and been like, all right, we're, we're our offense is back. Like, there's no issues here. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I mean in the first half yeah. against Boston College
0: offensively it was not overly impressive. Mm-mm. I I thought that um Clemson's wide receivers were not winning the battles against Boston College's secondary in the way that I expected but because there was just no chance that Boston College was going to score a touchdown and ended up sort of slipping away from the Eagles over the course of four quarters uh never thought that Clemson was going to lose that game but didn't come away from the Boston College game as being especially a road environment as being like, oh, yeah, here we go. They're, they are ready to start stepping on throats right now. So that'll be, especially with Florida State's defense, something that'll be big to watch.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see a lot of things in this game. Um, number one, Clemson for the last couple of weeks has been playing like a linebacker at safety. They've been playing a lot of true freshmen, a lot of third stringers. Davos' comments seem to suggest they're getting some of those guys back. They're expecting to get Brian Brzee and Xavier Thomas back on, on, on the front, too. Like, they let Thomas play that last series against B.C., and he had six snaps, two sacks, and, and four quarterback hits. Yeah. So he seems like maybe he's finally healthy and, and playing for that draft stock. Uh, I know we're running
0: tight on time, but do you, was Clemson calling out the people who decide on the conference player of the weeks, or like as a backhanded compliment when the social media team said he only played six plays and he's the ACC defensive lineman of the week?
3: <laughs> I don't know who decide that stuff. I. Uh, 32 for NC State should have been the the defensive player of the week. That that like NC State's defense is very it's legit. I will say I, I saw this stat on Twitter too. Since we're talking Twitter stats, DJ leads the nation in PFF's big time throws and only has three turnover worthy passes, which means he also has the highest uh, like you know big time throws minus turnover worthy passes in the whole country, which is like pretty good. Uh, I am worried if I'm an FSU fan that Clemson watched the Wake in NC State tape. And saw how much pressure and disruption those two teams were able to get with three down and dropping eight. And Jordan Travis has been poor at reading eight men drop. Like, granted, like it's not easy for anybody, but especially not if you're getting pressure. Right. Uh, I mean, if Clemson can get pressure without blitzing, this game is over mm-hmm.
0: before
2: it starts. That's really what it comes down to here. All right, Danny. You guys left me with some great ones. Um, ALDS Game Three, uh, <laughs> Yankees. Oh wait, we can't do that one. We can't. No, we, that we, one, we,
3: is it? we we should. We we should because it, it's better than anything left. I think
2: it is. All right. Um, I this week. That's been a, you know
1: that's been an epidemic in college the last few weeks. By the way,
2: y- yeah, it has. Um, I'm gonna. I I will say this. I like them spread out over time as opposed to one window being loaded. And I think we've been pretty fortunate to at least get a really good game in each window. So we'll take that. All right. I'll go ahead and lean into the ACC bias. Give me the Wolfpack pro without Devin Leary playing a little desperate, going up to the Dome to take on Syracuse. Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, that running attack, our guy Dino Babers. We still need a Dino drop in here somewhere along the lines. Maybe we'll get it uh, sooner rather than later. And I, Syracuse keeps getting that ball going. So I'll lean into that uh, ACC matchup, top 25 teams. Syracuse ACC Network. We'll see. If Q wins, I, you got to do a Dino drop, yeah.
0: Yeah, no. without, a, without a doubt. But this is also, you know, a, Syracuse has a very difficult second-half schedule. Mm-hmm. And the way that they have made it to 5-0 and o is great because it very much increases the odds that they are going to be a bowl team. And that is something that Dino and this program really needed. We'll see. We'll see.
3: They're making a bowl.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just. Oh, yeah. yeah. I (laughs) was like, are we playing? We'll see if they make a bowl. No, within the context (laughs) of this game. Like, Syracuse is a three and a half point favorite. And it's like,
2: okay. I think without Devin Larry, we saw what happened to the second half of NC State. And I don't think he's playing. I mean, they said rehabable one to six weeks. That sounds a whole lot more like six weeks than one. Mm -hmm. I think it could be a struggle for them to put up points. I think this game could be interesting. Okay. Well, we kind of got to go. Turbo mode here. Uh, my next pick, I'll
1: take my early slate. I'm kind of happy it's still there. I'm going to take Kansas, Oklahoma, because that could – I'm just saying, it's it, Oklahoma fans are already down pretty bad. Can you imagine if Oklahoma loses to Kansas and it's backup QB? Because that's very much in play. And for my next pick to start the third round, God, again, the primetime slate just stinks. Give me Mississippi State, Kentucky. I'm not yeah. gonna be super excited about it, but it is an interesting game. And do we know what Will Levis' status is yet?
0: Doesn't matter. It's a fraud stomping. Bulldogs uh, well, are coming in there to stomp some frauds.
3: <laughs> There's some thought that he'll be back, but the betters are not buying that at all. They're calling BS on Will Levis being back, and his top two receivers might be out too. So if you're concerned about your draft stock, you may want to sit this one out and be like, I don't know, man, the foot still feels kind of my, like my offense sucks anyway, but got my top two receivers out. We're not playing for, for anything this year. We'll still make a bowl. going to gotta rest this thing up a little more.
2: I like that, Danny. Back to you. All right, I'll go ahead. I'll snatch up in my prime time window. Give me Drake May. Give me <laughs> give me a little ACC rivalry game. UNC Duke. I think it's a three point favor. I think it's seven. Three point. Yeah. Oh, it's seven. All right. Well, give it to me anyway. I'll hey, the battle time. for the victory bell is legendary. Right? Exactly.
0: We don't get those kind of slots. All right. For my next pick, I'm going to, uh, I guess, throw on uh, another wild card here, which means I'm doubling up on the. Actually, no, forget that. It's still on the board. Arkansas BYU, big boy battle. Let's All right. To- yeah. total like lots of thickness. Let's <laughs> thick with two C's, a lot of meat. We'll be slapping meat and banging in the trenches. Uh give me Arkansas and BYU that addresses the midday. Um, we're we're not talking know, about we'll go ahead.
1: Let's say if we do a poll, you're not gonna win. I, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I
0: don't know. <laughs> I'm 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 comfortable with that. I would I should have just gone like total like USC Utah off the rip, like I wanted to. I came down here, I was like, round one, get a noon, round two. <laughs> uh like, my, my i don't game think so i'm nice winning scorched. either all right bud all right um i needed to bounce back let's, let's, yeah. Go. Yeah, let's yeah. Right. Here we go
3: let's go i'm going to go ahead and take a really high scoring potentially entertaining game that is of no consequence on the west coast give me arizona at washington this game might have 80 points scored in it uh just it's just, just like, just eating straight sugar, man. Just, just give, give me excitement, explosive plays, and, and some entertainment as, I, as I fall asleep.
0: All right, and now that means you've got to address your early uh, best, best noon left.
3: Oh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to take it since I talked, talk crap about it earlier. Give me Minnesota, Illinois. The right. loser of this game is probably out of the West race, or at least is behind the eight ball. The winner has a decent shot to, to battle Purdue. I guess, or Wisconsin, or, uh, I don't know, it's tough to track the West. I should probably do some research. This is an ugly game. I mean, Sikowsky's out, Williams is out. Tom, don't you guys have a D-end out too, I think? Uh, We might. Brett's not exactly forthcoming with injury. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but but Bodily injury is is, is like the designation they put on there. Yeah, Yeah. like, okay, cool. So it's not a, yeah. Um, That's my slate.
0: Coaching, carousel, rivalry game. Big thoughts from both fan bases, especially if you were one of the top group of five coaches and your own flagship program thought that they could do better than you. Billy Napier and the Florida Gators host LSU in that rivalry game. And our own Bud Elliott came out the gate right after the coaching carousel ended, said it's going to be very interesting to look back at LSU and Florida and say who, who felt like they made the right decision. Does this include a game of contenders? No. But is there a lot of emotion and passion and potentially butt-hurt feelings? Yes. Tight point spread. lot going on here. I mean, this is the game where a shoe was thrown recently. So give me the Billy Napier revenge game. Give me LSU in Florida.
3: This has a chance to be the dumbest game of the day right yeah, as far as just Absolutely stupid stuff happening in it. And, and just like both teams look poorly coached so far. Like it's new staff, so you kind of expect it. But I mean, good God, the, this could be really like the the not top 10 could come from this game. It's beautiful.
2: It's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> all right, Danny. All right, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to go all ACC right here, finishing it out. Do you guys notice Tyler Van Dyke had 496 against North Carolina, 496 yes, I did. yards passing? And I wonder feet. if you. Yeah, and the OT said they threw the ball too much. Right, right. Of course, that does happen. Um, we I'm going to take them. I, I think maybe they figured something out. If they didn't, trust me, I'll have my troll fingers ready to go for those Hurricane fans, reminding them. Of note, the Miami coaches uh, did talk about. Remember, he came out and said he didn't like playing at home. He'd rather play some on the road because there was nobody at the games. That came out the week of the Middle Tennessee game. I think it impacted him. Somewhat in that game, you know, they felt some fans turning on him. Then he had the pick six early in that game. They ended up losing the game. um Little bump in the road, but he seems like he's played his way out of it. And it feels like you know you don't want to be five hundred here, sitting at three and three. So a lot at stake there for the Canes. Do you think he like knew which fan was calling him out? Because there was only like seven fans in, in the stands <laughs> for that one.
3: Like he probably pointed at him like I'm gonna get like check check this out right like this is I if I can if I can zoom in on
2: this oh the the picture it, of the, the this fans. is the opening kickoff. <laughs> uh, he, it, there you go. Yeah, you can see that now. Yeah, it I mean, that's it a little like, bit. Yeah. There, there can't be Nobody more than like, like 10 or 12,000 people in the stands. Yeah, but they're not there. They're on social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it, where you thing. hear about it. Miami,
3: no, fans, Miami, Miami fans, fans put the E in her e are right? Like they're, they're, they're a digital fan base only. The yeah. World's
1: first online university.
3: Yeah. <laughs> hey, metaverse, man. The, Miami's going to be huge in the metaverse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just spraying it right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Miami down bad. But Miami, Virginia Tech taken by Danny Tom. Let's wrap it up. What you uh, what are you addressing? You've got a wild card. You can go anywhere. I got to talk to
1: Kevin Clark in a few hours. I might get yelled at right after this. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh oh, well, duh. This is. I mean, we're tuning into ESPN Plus. We're gonna have we're gonna have this on an extra screen. Toledo and Kent State. This is a huge game in the Mac. Toledo has been the best team in the Mac so far this season. Kent State coming off a loss, not feeling too great right now, but I still think that the Golden Flashes are one of the better teams. I think, honestly, this is probably going to be the two best teams in the Mac this season, regardless of record. So I'm going to have it on. I'm very interested in this game. I actually think it's going to be a really good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, I agree with you.
3: There's some chance that Miami-Ohio is the second-best team if this quarterback actually keeps doing what he's doing. I, I downgraded them pretty hard with the loss of Gabbard, but like the defense is pretty damn good.
0: All right, so Tom's slate gets started with Kansas and Oklahoma. Then we go right into <laughs> Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi State, Kentucky in the primetime, and the wild card. What time is that kickoff for Kent State?
1: 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus.
0: Plus. Uh, Danny has, uh, getting it started with big noon Saturday, Penn state in Michigan, going right to the dome where it will be electric for a top 25 matchup between NC state and Syracuse. Then we'll head to Durham Wallace Wade stadium for North Carolina and Duke. His wild card is a nice little regional sports network. Go and find your Jefferson pilot outlet to find Miami and Virginia tech. That'll be in the noon slate. I'm going to get things started with the Quinn Ewers show in Austin. Uh, then in 3.30, we're going to take it out to Provo for a lot of just meat-slapping thickness with Arkansas and BYU. Then to Tallahassee to see if Clemson can maintain its unbeaten start against Florida State. Also, my wild card is in the primetime slate with perhaps the dumbest game of the day in LSU, Florida. But you are going to get it started with the Big Ten West game of the day, Minnesota and Illinois. Then into the battle of the Undefeateds with TCU and Oklahoma State, primetime USC Utah, and also sticking in the Pac 12, Arizona and Washington. I don't know who's going to win, honestly.
3: It's going to be interesting. Best one win. Who, who, who has like the most open schedule this afternoon to retweet it and, and promote their stuff? Maybe it's Danny.
0: Yeah, I was gonna I say, to Danny going air. all in on ACC might actually be the the way to do it. You know, like they do in politics now; they don't even try to sway voters. They just go right to their base Danny and try to get the turnout. Base? Yeah, just just get the most turnout that you possibly can. Like I, bud, you you did a, a great job early, but I'm worried too much. Pac-12. I mean, yeah, are we <laughs> gonna get get the turnout there?
1: <laughs> it's. I mean, we're just gonna need those. Early, I'm gonna need the early voting. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Alabama, Tennessee. Oklahoma fans will not vote for me, so they're going to be really, really at a loss as to what to do.
0: Kansas <laughs> Can, might come for you, though. Can't come with you. Like they might come to, to, to your support. Uh, the they, whole. they might,
3: yeah. Because like I, I suggested that, that they just like that they met rule wait a year and then take the Oklahoma job uh, like next off season, and uh, so they're they're really loving me this morning.
0: Jeez, it's... did you say that on Twitter.com?
3: Uh, I think I said it on a radio this morning, so I'll, I'll put it on Twitter in a little bit.
0: Cold-blooded. We got, we got the state of Oklahoma tearing us to pieces. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Finnelly. You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can follow me at Jeff underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.
3: It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick Six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Hosts Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Katie Mox, and RJ White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft or schedule release day, pick six has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, pick six is a must- Listen, download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.